chapter 23. Thank you, Lyd, for that good teaching. That was good. Proverbs 23. So we're ministering on, this is like number six. I don't know when we're going to end this series, but this is who are you and what can you do with your one and only life? Who are you and what can you do with your own one and only life? And you'd say, well, that's simple. That's here we are. We're looking at each other. We're all Americans. We're all Alabamians. Now. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Now. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you, you think, well, it's just natural. But what if you'd been born in India? What if you'd been born in Bangladesh? What if you'd been born in Korea? I read this morning uh, about uh, a Korean, North Korean, that got caught with a Bible. And him and his family, including a two-year-old, were banned to life in prison for possessing a Bible. And you go, wow, life would be different over there. So where you were born is important. But if you were born in India, you would probably culturally, just because the culture permeates that, cult, that society, you likely would be Buddhist or Hindu. You go, no, I'd believe. No, you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't have any access to believe. You're probably Christian as much as anything because you are in a culture of Christianity. Not necessarily anymore, but a lot of it is that way. The key is, is that once you get old enough to decide, even though I was born in this culture, is it true? Is what I'm believing, is what I'm surrounded with, is what I'm breathing in in my culture, is it truth? So even in the Christianity side of it, there's Methodists and Baptists and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and, you know, all of that. So even then you could be as off as Hindus if you were in the wrong so-called Christian group. So we have to wake up, wake up and see what we're believing because it has eternal, eternal rec, uh, repercussions. So who would you be if you were somewhere else? What we take for granted, because we all I've got I've got 50 of these in my life. How many? I don't know if I have 50, but I got a bunch. And online, I called my Bible software company the other day, and I said, are there any more versions I can buy? And they said, no, you, you've got them all. There are, we don't have any more. So they don't even have one Bible in Korea, and the one that they did find, a two-year-old is sentenced to life in prison. A two-year-old, because he was born into a family that dared to have a Bible and got caught. And their culture is that if you snitch, they're taught to snitch. They're taught to, to report on other citizens. And so they don't dare talk to anybody. How repressive, how terrible. And here we are, we, we got Bibles that maybe are dusty or hadn't been off the shelf in a while or whatever. So uh, Jesus supersedes everything. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, as usual is that we are Christians. We are born again. We are filled with the life of God and we are different. We're not just people that got a different belief or we attend a different building or we, we, we do certain things. We 
take communion this way and water baptized. That's not it. At the new birth, we were changed. And we always need to talk about the difference between someone that's not born again, even though they're American and love, love the things of America and are patriotic and serve in the military and help the homeless. It doesn't matter. We are born again and we are different. We're different. And we always have to look at the difference because culture will swallow up your personal beliefs. Culture will take away. We just all meld into one kind of people. Jesus is the word and he changes everything. Could I have a better amen? amen. Jesus is the word of God. He, he's the word and he changes everything. So no matter what you were born with, you were born with just one leg or you were born with some disease or, or some handicap or maybe your IQ is not very high. It doesn't matter because Jesus is the great equalizer. Everything, everything changes because of him. And if anybody believes, well, I was handicapped, I was born this way or I was in an accident and this happened or whatever, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. There is nothing that stays the same when you get born again and you get faith in God. You start believing this. Everything we need to be changed is in here. So we just have to know it and then choose to believe it and act on it. And so we are so much more than Americans. We are so much more than Alabamians. We are so much more than college graduates. We are so much more than uh, my daddy's got a lot of money and I'm going to inherit all of it. We're so much more than that, that those are even non-factors with who we are and what we're going to do. So there's no excuse for having little and having need when you're born again. Now, I know that seems like a controversial statement. I know that means seems like that's pretty out there. But I'm telling you, the Lord made such a difference that we can't even be compared to someone that's not born again. We, we look like them and, and, and act like them and go to the same jobs as them, but our potential, our capacity, our achievability is way out there. But if you don't know about it, if the bank called you and said, someone came by and deposited $3,000 in your account, we're sending you a checkbook of checks and you can write on them up to $3,000. If they didn't call you and tell you, you would never, you, you'd even have need, miss a car payment maybe, because you didn't know. But now that you know, it's like everything's good. We need to know. We need to know and we can know. So in Proverbs chapter 23, an amazing verse is so small. But uh, the, the, the writer of Proverbs here says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let's put that in first person, say it together. As I think in my heart, so am I. Again, as I think in my heart, so am I. So who are you? Well, I'm, I'm an American and I'm, I'm this culture and I was born this way. And No, as you think in your heart, so are you. None of that is a factor, is it? None of that is on the table. It's like, well, I have this need and we don't have that and we're, we're struggling with this. As you think in your heart, that's how it is. So it's not to concentrate on what we don't have. It's to concentrate on how we think. 
You've got to think that Jesus is the answer to everything. If you're born again, if you're a Christian and you don't think that you think you've got troubles that nobody cares about, you just hadn't been to the Lord with them. You just don't know the truth. The BBE, the best, the, uh, it's, it's, another, it's a version, I promise you. It says, for the thoughts of his heart are, so is he. So I'm working on how I think. Not necessarily what I think, but how I think. My perspective, my approach, my attitude is changing my life. If I think I'm a victim, as I think, if I think I'm a victim... Everything that's attached to a victim is working in my life. If I think I'm an overcomer, it doesn't matter how, what kind of struggles and impediments and obstacles are in my way. If I think I'm an overcomer, if I believe that Jesus is enough, it always turns out amazing. Y'all help me. It always turns out amazing. It's like, well, how can that turn out amazing? Deborah read the testimony this morning. That's what we do is we read and study and immerse ourselves in that nothing is impossible to him who believes. Though it seems tremendously against us and it seems like there's no way out, there's always a way to win. There's always a way to win in Jesus. So uh, there's no excuse. You can present your trouble and say, Lord, I'm going to speak to the mountain, say to the mountain. Mountain, get out of here, be removed, be cast in the sea. You can say that, and that's what you'll have. But if you'll say, oh, y'all pray for me, I'm just, I'm going through it, and I don't know if I'll make it to the other side. We already know it's going to be tough, tough for you. So it's a perspective. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's talk about this. Now, I want to get out there this morning. Y'all just have to sit tight. We're, we're going to get out there this morning. Y'all showed up on Memorial Day, and you're just going to have to buckle up. There is an extra seat belt if, if you don't think you have enough right there. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. My life potential is tied to how I think. Now, if you believe that, if you, got, if you looked at the word and it said that, as a man believes, thinks in his heart, so is he, then my life capacity, what my, the end of my life, how, how, what's the limits on that? What are the... The, the barriers on that. What are the boundaries to my life? Well, if you had an IQ of 74, you'd say, anybody would judge you and say, it's not, it doesn't look good. For every point, this is just scientific data, this isn't Bible, but every point higher of your IQ, from 100 to 101, the average earning for a man or a woman is 404 to $616 for every point of your IQ. It doesn't mean anybody rewards you for that. It doesn't mean anybody says, okay, sign up and write down your IQ and that's what we'll pay. It just means that there's a certain quotient in your life that thinks better than someone that doesn't have that quotient. There's a potential there that you can tap into. So Say $500 per point. So if you've got an IQ of 110, 
The average American IQ is 97. So uh, if you have an IQ of 110, well, 13 times that, you're probably going to make more money than someone that has an IQ of 90 or 85 or something like that. that that's, just, that's just economics. We're not talking Bible here. We're just talking economics. So if you live as it says in chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let me, let me just go there for a moment. Verse 3 says, for ye are yet carnal. He said, you're worldly. He's talking to the church at Corinth. Uh, Corinth. He said, you're, you're, you're just acting like a, a, a sinner. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal? And then he says, and walk as men. And the implication in the Greek there is, and walk as mere men. Mere men. In other words, Christians walking like unsaved people. He said, you think like them. You, you, you're going to heaven. You're, you got saved and you're going to heaven. But you think just like someone that's not going to heaven. It didn't change your thinking to be born again. Jesus didn't change your thinking. And so you're thinking and so you're having just like someone that's still in the word. Pretty hopeless. Probably a victim. Probably always disappointed. Like that sign that we always talk about. They have a problem for every solution. It's everywhere. Well, you could do this. Well, you know, I, I don't think I could because this is in the way. Well, you could have that. Well, I don't think so. I, I got a problem here. And those people are everywhere. And they have how they think. Do you all know they have what they think? They're on welfare and we're not knocking that. We're just saying it's a path out. But if you live there all your life, you think wrong. Because people in Jesus don't stay there. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So uh, 1 Corinthians 2.16. This, this verse here. Uh, this is an amazing verse. We're talking about potential here. Who are you and what can you have? What can you do with your one and only life? For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Now, that's a rhetorical question, isn't it? Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who's equal to God, he's saying, that he might instruct God? He might say, okay, God, we're having classes Tuesday at 3 o'clock, and I need to teach you some things. The obvious answer is no one has that right there. But then, an amazing, we've missed this. Then he says, but... He says, but, so we don't have that. We're not there, of course, naturally. But he said, but we do have the mind of Christ. So we're not giving up everything. We don't instruct the Lord, of course. He's the Lord of all. But we do have the mind of Christ. Look, listen to it in the Amplified. It says, who has known or understood the mind, the counsels, and the purposes of the Lord so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge. So we would say rhetorically, no man has that. But then we would say, but we do have the mind of Christ. And here it is in the Amplified. We do hold the thoughts, the feelings and the purposes of his heart. So we're not worms. 
We're not a worm. We're not down here just wandering around. We're, we're children of God. He said we're sons of God. Yes. So if we're sons of God, that's got to mean something. In the Old Testament, they were servants of God. What do servants do? They do everything the master says. They're mindless. They don't, all they can do is carry out the instructions of their master, and they should. That's what they do. But we're not servants of God. We've been born again. Amen. We've been refathered from above. Refathered from, I was that. I was a carnal sinner, but now I've been made brand new. I'm born again. I have a new life. And so what happened in that? Well, he gave me his mind. The New Living Translation says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Nobody. Who knows enough to teach him? No one. But we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. So we understand the father. He teaches. We're instructed and we come up to know what he knows. Not not in the sense of God, but in the sense of life. We have the wisdom of God invested in us. Matter of fact, the mind of Christ, what, what does that mean? We have the mind of Christ. It means we have revelation. We live by revelation. We live by things that we don't know up here. This little space of eight pounds between the ears, behind the eyes, is limited. It's sense ruled. We know things we've heard, seen, tasted, and all that. We, that's, that's our input. We have, re, we have memories, so we have experiences, good and bad. We make decisions based on what we've seen and heard and what we've done that worked and didn't work. And so this is limited here. It's experiential. Is that right? It's experiential. But what if there was something that was going on, and there certainly is, that's beyond my sense realm, beyond my experience? That would be revelation. If someone told you, that the stock market was going up in, in, in aluminum on Monday or whatever, and it did, you'd say, well, that was revelation. How would you know that? Well, the Lord told me. Well, why would the Lord tell you? Well, because he's interested in his kids that are asking him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Bad example, but don't buy aluminum based on what I said. Hallelujah. So the Lord told us before this year, he said, 2023 will be the year that you what? You know what to do. Well, that's pretty powerful to know what to do, to get out of the limitations, the boundaries, the borders of this right here and to know what to do, to be able to make a decision way up front than way down the road. Till you've been kicked around a little bit until it didn't work out a few times. And you finally said, OK, now we know what to do. Wouldn't it be better just to know what to do up front? Well, that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to have the mind of Christ. Now, the mind of Christ didn't appear, is it? The mind of Christ is down here. It's down here where the spirit man is, where where we really are. The real man, the man that's going to heaven, the man that that hears and fellowships with God, the man that's one with him is down here in the belly. But you got to get out of here. I mean, you, you, need to, you need this to find the kitchen. But you don't, need, you don't need this to know what to do with your life tomorrow. To, to, you know, that there's something coming that's bad for you or your family 
and you know what to do. You say, I, I think we're supposed to be here or be there or do this or do that. That would be revelation. That would be insight. That would be something that you wouldn't have by the experiential man. So what did the new birth do to the fallen man that got born again? Well, let's let's just go. Let's review. It says, let me just read it. You can read it on the screen so we won't take time looking them up. But Second Corinthians 517, it says, if any man be in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things say it with me, all things are become new. So it's not just like, well, I believe different than I used to. And I'm a Christian now because I what I believe until you get born again, you're not born again. You're not born again until you are born again. Doesn't matter what you believe, because Christians have honky beliefs. Weird stuff. They believe it, but they're still born again. Because all you have to do to believe is if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So if you got that right, it doesn't matter what you believe about the rapture or the Antichrist or the mark of the beast or whatever. Y'all know those people are going to heaven if they're born again. We can get a lot of stuff wrong. So Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ liveth in me. Oh, now look right here. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So our faith comes from heaven. We have the faith of God inside of us. Wow. The sinner doesn't have the faith of God inside, but I do. Do you? If you're born again, you do. Uh, Romans 5, 5 says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which has been given unto us. So when you got born again, the love of God came down in your spirit, man. And now we're able to love like we never were able to. Couldn't love before. We could like them. We could be mad at them. But now we have the capacity to Love people like God loves people. The next one is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet he became poor for your sakes, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. So the new birth moved us into the covenant of grace that our needs are completely supplied. Say amen. amen. They're completely supplied. We know in 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bear our sins in his body, own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, should live under righteousness, live under righteousness by his stripes. Ye were healed. So we entered into the covenant of health and wholeness at the new birth. Well, how come there's Christians that are sick? The same reason that there are people that don't that aren't born again. Jesus died for them, but they didn't say yes to Jesus. You've got to say yes to healing. First uh, Corinthians 1:30, "But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. What is God made unto us? Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification and redemption. That's in me. That's in you. That's what happened. Well, I didn't know that. Well, it didn't matter. It got downloaded anyway. You could have a virus on your computer. Well, another bad example, but you could have something that you didn't know about that was on your computer and you go, how'd this thing get in here? Well, the, at the new birth, you don't know how it happened, 
but he downloaded the, the sonship of God into us. So sons and daughters know what the father is doing. The father doesn't tell servants, hey, listen, I'm going to town this afternoon. Servants don't know anything, but sons know it all. We can know it all. We should know it all. Amen. So the fact is, the truth is, here it is. We lost our mind at the fall. When Adam sinned, we lost our minds. Adam was quite the creation. Uh, in, in Genesis, I'm going to turn there. Y'all don't have to, but I'm going to turn to Genesis 1. This is at the first, you know. This is right after the table of contents. This is way early. Verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So God said, let's make somebody just like us. God, us, meaning Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He said, let's, let's make one just like us. In Psalm 8, it says, what is man that ye are mindful of him? And he talks about the wonderful things that God did to his man. And so he made us in his image. Then, then in, in verse chapter 2, if you went over to chapter 2, and as, you know, like in the movies, meanwhile, back at the ranch, while, while that was going on, something else was going on. Uh, verse 19, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam. Now, you know, that's a lot of things. You go to the zoo, you don't see hardly any part of the whole creation. You just see the lions, the tigers, and the bears. And, uh, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Wait a minute. What, what's he doing? Well, he made man the man in charge. Adam was not supposed to ever die, was he? We were never supposed to die. We were supposed to be children of Adam and live forever. And the garden was going to be our domain. And it said he brought the animals, all of them, to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. In other words, he put his man in charge. And then in verse 20, it says, Adam gave names to all the cattle, the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. So Adam was way smart. And that's where I'm going this morning. Now, We've already been over this five, five, five messages, so y'all just have to chink in where, where it is. But, but there's way more potential in the born-again man and woman than we've ever known. Our culture has dumbed us down to think that we are just like they are. And experientially, it might be true. And if you went to a church or were raised in a culture where Christians are just going to heaven... Oh, praise God, we're going to heaven. Well, we are, we are. Yay, we are. But while we're here on the earth, there's so much more. And we could walk right through this whole lifetime and never know there was so much more, even though it's in the book. It's in the book. Uh, you never know what God's going to do. Yeah, you can. It's in the book. So we could see in here that there's way more to us potentially we have a bigger capacity. There's more potential in us than anybody's telling us. 
But God told us it's in the word. He said, you have the mind of Christ. You hold the thoughts, the feelings and the purposes of his heart that even though Adam fell and he did fall. And he lost it all. But there were generations after him that were way smart men. Noah built the ark and had never seen a drop of rain. You, you got to kind of be coming in with your architecture degree and your boat building degree. Oh, wait, there was none of those things. So he was just way out there in God. And we just think, well, anybody could have done that. I don't know if you and me could build an ark. Took him a hundred years. So there's more to man. But over the years, the generations since Noah, we've fallen. We've, we've acquiesced as born again people. We've acquiesced to our culture. Jesus died for the Buddhists in India. He died for the Hindus in wherever they are. And yet, they're a thousand miles from the truth, the reality of what really happened for them. That God so loved the world that he gave Jesus for those people. And they don't even know there be a Jesus. So sin took away the mind of Christ. But Jesus came back and said, I'm going to restore it all. Jesus thinks he solved the sin problem. The sin problem is what took it all away from us. Adam's sin, we, he was banned from the garden of life and all the life there. And he, he put uh, childbirth on the woman and said, it'll be hard for you, girl. And he told the man, he said, you're going to till. You used to just throw a seed out there and, and it would grow up. But now you're going to have to plant and water and weed and carry on. It's tough. And it's been tough ever since. But Jesus came and said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the overflow. In other words, I'm going to restore what the first Adam lost. I'm going to restore that and I'm going to bring that to you. Well, we didn't get the memo. Wake up, wake up. It changed. Jesus changed it. He, he changed everything. It's not like it was in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and and numbers. It's not that way. Jesus was the difference. He was the pivot that from what he gave us, we have life like Adam and more and more. How much more? You got to study it. You got to look it up. But it's amazing who you and I are. Christians are amazing. We are amazing. There's nothing like us on the planet. And we don't even know it. We don't even know it. We need to know it. Luke 12 to 48 says this. Now you know this one. But this is real powerful for, for us. It says, for, whom, to whom, for unto whomever soever is much is given, of him shall be much required. Isn't that an amazing verse? The Lord said that different things are given to different people. In 1 Corinthians 1, it talks about he has set the members in the body severally as it has pleased him. So we're not all the same, are we? Even though we're all the same family, we're different. There's singers in here. There's mathematicians in here. 
there's prophets in here or whatever there is, but yet he put us where he wanted us to be. I can hardly tell you how many mamas I've talked to over the years that said the Lord sure knew what he was doing when he gave me that son or that daughter because my life after that, if I hadn't had him or had her, I don't know what I would have done. So it seems like the Lord knew what he was doing even in our kids and with friends and all of that sort of thing. The New Living says when somebody has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So if you didn't get much, you don't have to produce much. We're not all required to produce the same amount. It's based on what we've been given. If we go to Matthew 25, where Jesus tells the story of a master that had three servants, he gave one five, he gave one two, gave one measure of his wealth, and he left. And he came back and he talked to the guy that he'd given him five, and he said, I got five more. He said, well done. He talked to the guy that got two, and he said, I got two. Well, you'd think he'd be mad at him, like, Bubba over here got five and you only got two? Ah, but his capacity, his potential was less or different. And so he was just as pleased with the man with two that got two as he was with the man that had five and got five. And that's the way it is with you and me. You're not going to be judged according to the person sitting next to you. It's personal. To whom much is given, much is required. So if you didn't get much, sail on. Do the best you can with what you got. But if you've been given a bunch, you better giddy up. You can't compare yourself. Well, they don't do much, so I'm going to do much. It'll be the same. No, it won't. He talked to the boy that just had one and buried it. And, and it wasn't so good for the way he turned out. So yay. So we've been tasked with the winning the world. We are the church. Jesus left 12 boys in charge, 11 actually, and uh, they, they put the gospel into the world. And so, so it goes with us. So he had to give us a lot more than what we've been given. Y'all, we can't do it with worldly insight, experience, knowledge, gifts. We can't do it. We need help. We need financial help. It takes a lot of money to win the world. But someone's paying the bills here this morning. As humble as we are, someone's paying the bills here just for us to meet. Otherwise, we can just go up into a parking lot at Walmart and find us a corner and have church there. It'll be cheaper, but it's not near as handy. Their conditioning's a little fickle out there in the Walmart parking lot. Hallelujah. So he gave us this. And so what did the Lord give us to win the world or, or to live our lives? Well, first of all, we got the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Oh, what a help. What a help to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like it in the whole world. He gave us the gifts of the Holy Ghost. There's nine spiritual gifts. You need them. Probably not to go to Publix or not to go to Sears or whatever, but you need them to win the world. You need, to, you need them to win your, your supply. We, we have the armor of God. We have the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. We've got them. We got stuff. But if you don't know you have stuff, you won't use the stuff you have, and it'll be harder for you. 
We pray in tongues. The Bible says that when you speak in tongues, you pray out mysteries. So you know stuff that you don't know if you're just in the land of the mere man. You pray in Holy Ghost, well then you know things. You go, how's that work? I'm not exactly sure, but I know it is. The word says you, you pray up mysteries. You pray, it's down here. You pray unto God. Here's a scripture. I want you to, I don't know where I'm going this morning, but I'm, I'm about to trip to a fork in the road. But there's a verse in, in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 12, 32. Y'all remember this one. It says, and the sons of Issachar, Issachar was one of 12 tribes, one, one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And it said his sons had a gift. And what was that gift? They were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. To know what Israel ought to do. So back then, when they didn't know what to do, they would go to Issachar's family and say, hey, what are we supposed to do? And they would say, well, the Lord says do this and go there and have this and this king and whatever. And they would do it and it would work out. Now, why would the Lord do that for the sons of Jacob and not do at least as much for us? I submit that he did do as much for us. That everything the Old Testament has, we have in spades. It's better. It's, it's greater. Jesus is greater than the blood of bulls and goats. And he gave us everything they had exponentially. So we have a greater potential than Noah had, than David who fought the giant and all of that that he did. We have more capacity than King Solomon. Well, he's the wisest man that was, ever was before Jesus. But now we've been made, uh, he's been made unto us wisdom. Well, I wouldn't want to say I was like Solomon. Well, just live in your old stupid self then. Can we say that in church? Can, can, I don't know. We're not treating anybody like guests today. We're all just in the kingdom. We're in the body of Christ. So, so and this is where I'm going that's kind of off the track. I'm, this is not doctrine. I'm fixing to teach you. But I do want to provoke you to love and good works. Yeah. I want to I go into a little area that's rarely gone to, if ever, and explore our potential. What are the limits of who I am, who you are in Christ Jesus? What's, what's really in here? Do I have to work? like everybody else works and just have what everybody else has? Or is there something by Holy Ghost, something by the, the, the power of God that's in me and in you that I have more potential? And if there is, I better live to it because to whom much is given, uh, it's, it's going to be, there's, it's going to be at judgment. It's going to be what you do. Well, I didn't have nothing, Lord. Oh yeah, you did. It was in the word. And I gave it to you. I put it in you. I stirred it up. I sent people by to tell you about it. And there you are. You just sat there like you were normal. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Let's see how much time we have. Romans chapter 12. 
Here's a verse that you know very well, but we'll, we'll see. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Well, let's read verse 1. Paul is very impassioned here. He uses the word, I beseech. Beseech is kind of a, a deep imploring. It's a, it's a sincere request. It's a, it's a, it's a heartfelt Join. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, that's that's what we're supposed to do. It's not a special request. Nobody else has to do this. We're all doing. Then he says, let's look, look in verse two and be not conformed to this world. Could you say culture there? Whatever culture it is, do not be do not be conformed. Do not model your life after where the sinners are. But be ye the solution. Be ye transformed. How, Paul, by the renewing of your mind of your mind as a man thinks in his heart. So is he by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said, don't be conformed to this world. So we're supposed to be different. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things, all things. What are all things? It's just about everything, isn't it? It's like we're supposed to be different from a work on the inside that's invisible. I mean, if you, if you got goosebumps when you got born again, you're rare. It, it, it was by faith. You just, it just, you believed you received Jesus as your Lord and that was it. You had to believe it happened because the word says if you ask, it would happen. So this, con do, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, it speaks of change. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It speaks of, of increase. It speaks of promotion. It speaks of raising or increasing your potential, your capacity, your achievability. Is that right? Yeah. Why, be, why be transformed by the renewing of your mind? It's just the same. It's not. It's not 20 candles on your birthday cake. It's 21. No, it's, it's more than that. And so we should pay attention of what's really going on inside. Now, I so don't want to be spooky. I so don't want to be weird. I mean, I, that is not me. We've been talking in weeks past about our absorption rate. How long does it take you to change your mind? If the Lord brings something to you, and it's different than what you've always believed. Like healing. Ah, healing passed away. There's no healing. Well, what, what, what if he said, I want to tell you that there is healing. And I want you to change your mind about it. How long does it take? What's your absorption rate? What is your immersion quotient? Your immersion quotient of how long does it take for the Lord to convince you? I can tell you some people, they die before they're changing. I was raised in this church and that's why we always believe this. Mama said it was this way and I'm not changing. 
you got a low absorption rate. But what if you are easily persuaded to believe? What if the Lord could come to you like you expect your children to hear your voice the first time in a conversational tone and obey? What, 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 if, what if that was the rule for your children? You go to them and you say, I want you to clean your room up. And you turn around and close the door and you go. And when you come back in 20 minutes, if the room's the same as it was, life as he knew it is over. Because you said it in a conversational tone one time. But if you've got to go back and threaten and carry on, when your daddy comes home, I'm going to this and I'm taking away that, well, then, then you have a low absorption rate with your children or with anybody. If your boss says, I want this done by the weekend and you come in on Monday and you said, I thought I'd get to it on Tuesday. You may be un in the unemployment line. You would be if I was the president of the company. So that's the same thing with the Lord. We don't have unlimited lives on earth. We don't have even even when you go from 40 to 50, it's different. How do I know? You can ask me sometime. I'll tell you. It's different when you go from 50 to 60. It's, it's not the same. You go, ah, I got 30 more years and it'll all be the same. No, there's some sort of ramp or decline or, or quotient or something that it's different. It might not be worse, but it is different. And so we have to move quickly because the Lord has a job or an assignment or a course or a race for us to run. And he's a good father. He didn't ask you and I to do things without giving us the way and the means to do it. That's what makes him good. He said, this is going to be tough, but I gave you everything to do it. It won't be hard. But you will have to pray. You will have to get the word of the Lord. You will have to have revelation. You will have to be submitted to other people. I'm going to speak to them and tell them to tell you what's the next step. I'm not going to just uh, uh, hide it on the wall and you're going to have to pay attention. Oh, see, that's different than just a, we're in a democratic society. Bless God, I'm not doing what they tell me to do. I don't have to do nothing they tell me to do. I'm, I'm a voter. I'm a, uh, you know, that's not the way the kingdom of God is. He's in charge. He thinks he is. <laughs> so we looked at this. We said, are you ready? Are you easily persuaded to believe? Or we looked at some scriptures where the Lord Jesus talked to some people and said, you are dull of hearing. I don't want to be dull of hearing. Because you could get to the end of your life and not done, not accomplished anything that he told you to do. Well, he'll just have to understand. No, we go to judgment. And judgment isn't a thing of fire and punishment and, and uh, uh, a mean God saying this and that. But there's rewards for doing what he assigns you and I to do. There's rewards. And if the Lord said there's reward, they're good. They're worthy. I'll just skip the rewards. No, you, you ought to reconsider being at the very back of heaven in kindergarten. Learning how to obey what the teacher says. I want to talk just for a minute. I have just a few minutes here. 
about something that's scientific. And I know it's scientific. I'm not bringing it as gospel. I'm not bringing it as the word. But I'm just saying this is what science says. This is what they've accumulated. And it points to what the word has already said. And that's my point. In other words, science is confirming what the Bible says. And here's, here's my point. Uh, let's see where that is. If I didn't bring it, we won't do it. There it is. Praise God for notes. Okay. IQ. You're just, you're born dumb or you're born smart. That's what everybody thinks. And that's the way it is. And IQ does not change with age. IQ is not intelligence. I mean, excuse me. IQ is not education. IQ is your ability to solve problems. And so if you take an IQ test, it's basically measures how fast you get to the end of something. And it's just, uh, it's how you're wired. It's, it's what you have inside. And matter of fact, I looked it up. It's very cultural. You wouldn't think it. You'd think all people all, all over the place are the same IQ. But actually, Orientals stereotypically have higher IQs. The smartest IQs, the biggest IQs, Japan, Taiwan, and Singapore. The lowest IQs are in Nepal. Nepal has the lowest in the world, 71. You could almost be considered mentally challenged in America as 71. Sierra Leone, Liberia, Guatemala, the Gambia, Nicaragua, Guinea, Ivory Coast, Ghana, South Sudan, Mozambique, Burkina Faso. When's the last time you had a passport that had stamped Burkina? Niger, Antigua, and Barbuda, Barbuda, and Rwanda. All very low in the 70s. And Japan has 104. America has about 97. Our IQ is about 97, which is irrelevant if you think that, that it's static, that it can't be changed. But I'm going to propose to you this morning that because we have the mind of Christ and because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If he thinks like God, if he moves towards God, if he's pursuing the things of God versus pursuing, I want to be rich, I want to have a happy home, I want to I want to get my business up and I want to be famous. If you if you pursue that, your IQ is going to go one way versus seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. That's another way. And I'm going to tell you this morning, if I have time, that the world, the world science says that you can increase your intelligence or your value, your potential, your capacity. The average uh, IQ uh, is 90 to 109, and 50% of all people are that, 90 to 109. And uh, uh, a high average is 110 to 119. Only 16% of people are that smart. 110 to 116, uh, 19. Uh, 120 to 129 is considered superior, and it's only 6.7%. And the very gifted, the very advanced, uh, 130 and above, and that's 2.2%. Let me just read you something. There's about, I'm going to talk about a man that I looked up called Kim Peek, Peek, P-E-E-K. And he was born with severe brain abnormalities that so impaired his physical coordination 
and made his ordinary reasoning difficult, he could not dress himself or brush his teeth without help. He had superb abilities at arithmetic, but could not deal with the most abstract of mathematics. He was given an IQ of 87, well below the average. He was, when he was born, the doctors found a water blister on his head, like a hydro, hydrocephalus, that's it. It was like that. And uh, later it's, they showed that his brain hemispheres had not separated and that he was actually operating totally in a memory zone out of both hemispheres. Just interesting. Uh, he's, he was one of the most pr world's most prolific savants. Couldn't brush his teeth. Couldn't put his, tie his shoes. But he, he possessed a near perfect memory called eidetic memory. And he could remember everything that had occurred in his life. Every conversation and every emotion that he ever experienced, as well as every person that he ever encountered, regardless of how insignificant or minute, he had perfect recall of every detail. He could tell you what they wore, what their belt, how their hair was combed, years and years before. Couldn't brush his teeth. During his life, he memorized over 12,000 books, including the Bible. He was an expert on 15 areas, subject areas, including geography, music, literature, history, and sports. He could actually, now this is amazing, he could actually read two pages at the same time. He'd put his left eye on the left page, his right eye on the right page, and in eight seconds, he could read both pages, turn the page, and at the end of the book, Okay, Mr. Peek, page 87, paragraph 3. What's the second sentence? He could read it. Leonardo da Vinci is said to have possessed uh, photographic memory. Swami Vivekananda, remember him, we went to different schools together, is believed to have had edemic memory and could memorize a book by simply going through it for a single time. The mathematician John Van, Neum Van Neumann was able to memorize a column of a phone book at a single glance. So we're talking about people that are not all, not all autistics are savants. Not all savants are autistics. So there are people that are just plain smart and don't have a challenge like this. Like Elon Musk, IQ of 160. Elon Musk is said that when he was young, he so remembered things in such detail and they were so real to him that he had a hard time separating what was in real time for that moment with his past because it would be playing the past and the present at the same time in his head. He had such eidetic and perfect memory. I, I don't want to bore you all with this. I'm going somewhere with it, though. Uh, 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 but here's the point. Skip all that. Science says, just science. This is all we're going by. This, this is it. We're, we're not comparing or considering science, but where it corroborates and where it affirms the word, we should look at it and say, well, yeah, uh, we don't just have to believe it by faith. Here it is. 
in, in, they say intelligence is trainable. We're not talking about education here. We're not talking about knowing more facts and studying long and all that. People's brains are not hardwired. We're talking about potential. They are softwired. Brains can rewire themselves and dramatically change how their neurons behave based on how and what you learn as a man thinks in his heart. Everyone's intelligence in the practical sense is unique. Now, here it is. Here's the statement. There is good reason to believe we can change intelligence. Intelligence is only partly genetic. The most crucial combo is IQ plus hard work plus motivation. I'm born again. Are you born again? Yes. We're, we're born again. I'm motivated. Because this isn't my home anyway. This is not this is where I'm passing through. This is where you're going through. But this is not where we are. This is not who we are. We are we are going over the troubles of this world, going through this life. But we're going to him and we're on a mission here. The same kind of thing that happened to you and I, that somebody took the time and the, the space to get you born again, to pray for you, to get you through. We're called to go and do likewise, aren't we? So we don't just, you know, us four no more. We're out of here. We're called to help somebody like somebody helped us. One thing that confirmed this, and don't get mad at me, I'm just quoting it. It says, firstborn children's thinking skills outperform their siblings. Why? Because they receive more mental stimulation from their parents in their early years. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, we all know firstborns get the lion's share of it. And by the third one, camera, what camera? Just <laughs> we don't have any pictures of Junior. <laughs> we, we got, but we got 10 gazillion of the firstborn. Ah, 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 you know, and we buy him everything, buy her all she wants. But by the third, I'm bored. Just go outside and let your brother tell you what to do. I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. You know that. So they get more attention, which then the only point of that is, is that we have a say in our potential. And that's my whole point. We have a say in our potential. It's not just spiritual. It's not just faith. There's another factor working behind the wall, behind the door, behind the scenes, that if we will give ourselves to the things of the kingdom, we will, listen, we will increase our capacity What you have right now is what you have. You can tap out all you have, but, but if we put an Einstein formula on the board and say, can you give me the answer? You might not can go there, but you could some way, someday, educate yourself that you could get to the answer or even know what it's asking. We're those people. We're Christians. The world does not have this potential. They can, they can, just, they can just study and and stir themselves up. But this is alive. This is life. And so your word is life. When I take the word in, it, it resurrects or quickens all of me. It, it quickens my brain. It quickens my body. I'm quickened. I'm made alive by the word of God. And it increases or enlarges my borders of what my potential is. That's my point. We ought to be all we can be. 
The army says they want them to be all they can be. I went through 10 signs of intelligence. And I won't go through them with you, but not today. We might Wednesday or something. But I can tell you, I looked at all of y'all. And there's, there's, there's great potential in this room. The things that, uh, one, thing I, one thing is, is highly intelligent people, they like to work at night. <laughs> Barry Paul. <laughs> they like to work at night. They like to work by themselves. They don't need a lot of uh, partying. They, they're, they're, they're very sober. Uh, they never stop learning. The, the thing about intelligent people, the way they increase their potential is they're always after the truth. They're always at, after you, you get them satisfied and they just go on to the next thing. They want to know more. They're very curious. They, they, uh, they, you can't just give them a pat answer and say, close enough, you're a kid. You don't know what, you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, they're not, they're, not, they're not easily distracted. We, we have a church full of people that are, I mean, we, we, we can play as good as anybody, but we, it's in there. So I, I believe there's more to us than what looks like. I believe we're not stuck. I said, I, I believe we're not stuck. I believe there's more in here than we thought. So we should stir ourselves up and say, I'm, I'm increasing in the Lord. And that's your potential is unlimited in the Lord Jesus. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm going to start thinking different. I'm not going to think about the world stuff. What is President Biden do, doing? That, that could occupy your whole life. You, 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 and you, you wouldn't be happy at the end of it. It's like, I'm not taking that. That's, that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm unraveling the mysteries of the kingdom. And that's where the life is. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, people have been messing with you the last two years or three. People have been messing with me, just, just laying into my life and just messing with me, just saying naughty things and doing naughty things and just, and it's like, that, that got me kind of turned around. Like, oh, man, I got to think about you. I'm not thinking about you anymore. I'm thinking different now. I'm thinking like, God bless you. Call me if you need me. I will help you. But I am moving on. Well, that's a whole different way of thinking. You, you can lose your whole life thinking about what people are thinking about. It's inconsequential. And so you'll grow. You'll increase. We have a capacity, and we ought to live to the end of that. Live to the end of who you are. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for helping us. Lord, you're such a present, uh, uh, present help in time of trouble. Thank you for helping us. We're going to take this, Lord, the part that you are in, and that you're speaking to us. We're going to we're going to change our mind. We're going to not be conformed to this world, but Lord, we, we all in this room want to be conformed to the kingdom of God, to your way of planning. This life is going to be over one of these days and we're going to be in heaven, but 
while we're here, we're going to make a mark for the Lord Jesus. And Lord, there's plenty here to make a big mark on Tuscaloosa and Alabama. We thank you for a move of God in our city. We thank you for a move of God in our state. We thank you for a move of God in our nation. Lord Jesus, we so want to make a difference in it. So thank you for helping us. We receive it and we walk in life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, let's stand up.